Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Salutations and hello to all of my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Good to have you back here in the unlucky lounge at the end of your week and the start of a brand new episode of Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast. Your draft on the go from to and fro. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of the unlucky lounge. And joining me as always, awake from his nap, but of course here for the draft. His name is Borok, my bear buddy. You might have missed the sealed deck tech on YouTube and on the cast, but are you ready to get back into some call time drafting <laughs> yes sir good for you and the format continues to evolve as the cream rises to the top but we'll talk about some of that archetype stuff and dig into another call time best of one draft here today but before we get to that draft a few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, or wherever you download your audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe and find us on those socials on Twitter, on Twitch, and YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey. Speaking of YouTube, I mentioned it a second ago, but our last episode was our pre release kit open and sealed deck tech celebration. We did this with Commander Legends as our way of trying to find a chance to bring Commander Legends into the podcast sphere, and it was quite well received. So we're doing that in call time as well. That means that the previous episode was a two for one on the podcast and on the YouTube web as well. Find me on that YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey, and there is value to both things. A little bit of jokes here and there on the cast and on the tubes. So check them both out and enjoy all of the fun of the Unlucky Lounge verse. And if this show is giving you some joy, find us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, that is enough of the housekeeping and the upkeeping. The sorcerer's broom is put back into the conjurer's closet, and it's time to get to the reason why we're all here. Your end of week draft on the go, be it in the car, on the way, back home after a long, hard week at work, maybe. It's you on the treadmill, keeping in shape and also enjoying some MTG. But no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, take a second, because this is tradition time. Grab a drink, grab a snack, maybe even crack a pack. Let's celebrate all of the amazing things that you do on a daily basis with this, the untapped step. Ah. Well, let's get this draft queued up and get ourselves underway as the draft is loading up. Let me tell you about what I've seen on the Best of One ladder and in call time as well with some of the archetypes. As I said last week, rares are good. Rares are very good, and the best way to take advantage of those rares is being in a based green deck with cards like Glittering Frost and the Snow Dual Lands, and then leaving yourself open to being able to take rares in multiple different colors and color combinations. Often, in pack one, I'll have a handful of, say, blue or green cards staying in one of those colors, and then waiting for something to get opened and then go into that to piggyback off of powerful rares. There are still other archetypes that don't require big, powerful, explosive cards, say like red-white run-amuck decks, the trick that is one red target attacking creature gets plus three, plus three, and has trample, 
Also, the black-white double spell decks are pretty explosive and can win just with good tempo. Listen to previous FNP episodes if you want to hear my takes on that deck. But let's see what this draft is going to hold for us. Pick one, pack one. The rare is Bergy, God of Storytelling. This is one of the two-sided rares on the front side. It's a 3-3 for two and a red that you can boast with creatures twice, and whenever you cast a spell, you make a red that doesn't leave until end of turn. But the real gas of this card is the other side. It's a legendary artifact for four and a red called Harnfell, Horn of Bounty. You get to discard a card, and then you exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. It's not once per turn you get to activate this ability. It's as many times. This card can be good in either aggressive or controlling decks that want more card advantage. is going to be great. I'm looking forward to playing with it. I haven't yet. The Uncommons Dual Strike, a card that I was excited for at the top of the format, has fallen off quite a bit. Draugr's Helm, the amazing black equipment that makes a zombie pre-attached to it if you pay an additional tuna black when it ETVs for a total cost of five. And the final uncommon is Glimpse the Cosmos. Man, what a great card. It's the double anticipate if you control a giant. People like to call it Dig Through Time. I'm going to call it Dig Through Giants just because I feel like I'm being clever, right? <laughs> In pick two, pack one. Well, there's some actual real considerations here. So, there's Arnie Broken Brow, the rare is still here. It's the 3 3 haste for Tuna Red. It can boast, so it works with Bergy. And then Arnie's base power becomes 1 plus the greatest power amongst creatures you control. So, we could potentially boast twice with Arnie Broken Brow, which is cute, but I don't think that's going to be the card that I take here. I mean, it would be nice to go two Red Legends in a row, but the card we're going to take, I'm fairly confident, is Path to the World Tree. This is the card that has defined the five color deck in all of Limited right now. It's the one in a green enchantment. You search for a basic land when it ETBs, reveal it, and then put it in your hand. And then it has two in Wooburg for a bunch of effects that do like two damage to a creature, draw two cards, gain two life, make a two two bear. And it's great. It's like a mini cruel ultimatum. You know what? Yeah, maybe it should be called Bear Ultimatum. I mean, it does make a 2-2 bear when you activate the ability, so that's pretty nice. Whoa! How about we go with two Path to the World Trees? What do you say to that, Borak? Double Bear Ultimatum? Yeah, sign me up. The Going Path into Path, my unlucky lounge rats, is super exciting. So now we can really go wide on our colors here very early. We don't necessarily have to go into snow right now. Certainly we'll look to pick up some of the snow duels in the outset of this draft here, in the early picks in pack one. See if we can get some two color snow combinations and then we can parry into some tabling snow payoffs. Besides that card, there is the MDFC Black Green Land here, still in the pack. There's a return upon the tide, the Fortel reanimation spell that if you return an elf from your graveyard, you get two one one green elf creature tokens. None of these cards we're going to take. The other, I think, powerful card in this pack is Behold the Multiverse. The Fortel 1 to blue, Scry 2, draw 2 card for 3 and a blue as its base cost. I would like to play one or two of those in a deck like this. But for now, I'm happy with taking our second Path to the World tree. Here in pick 4, pack 1, this is going to go between a couple cards. One being a Sculptor of Winter, a really nice 2-2 two, two for 1 and a green that untaps target Snowland. Hey, it's another bear, Borok. Yes, bears everywhere. But I'm going to go with the narrative I said before, which is let's get our snowlands before we get our snow payoffs, like Sculptor of Winter. And we're going to take a Highland Forest. It's the Mountain Forest Snowland that adds a green or red. Enters tapped, of course, with all these snow duels. Really nice follow-up with our Bergy into Path Path. Love it. 
pick five, pack one. Oh, I think we're finding our lane, friends, because we see a Saroof's packmate here in our fifth pick of pack one. I couldn't ask for something better, Borak. Yeah, you're right. I called this kind of the bear of the format. It's a perfect foretell on turn two, and then turn three, you get to play a 3-3 that draws you a card. Absolutely amazing. We're in a great place right now. I'm very happy to continue to develop what we have going on with our deck, and whoa! The uncommons keep flowing, friends. Arnie slays the trolls in this pack. Green, red for an enchantment saga, three chapters. Chapter one, it's a fight. Then chapter two, you put two counters on a creature, add a red, and then you gain a bunch of life equal to the highest power amongst creatures you control. We're already green, red. We want to position ourselves with big creatures. Arnie slays the troll, nice removal here in late pack one. For our pick seven, pack one, we're gonna continue to develop our multicolorness, and we are going to take an Alpine Meadow. It's a great mountain plains. Continue to widespread our mana with our double path, the world tree. We're open now to pretty much taking any and all powerful things passed to us. And we're just really positioning ourselves well in the snow deck. I will happily take snowlands at this point, including a snow-covered mountain that we're finding here in pick eight. All right, so we've got three snowlands already. And now we're going to follow up with a Snowfield Sinkhole. This is the white-black Stap Snowland. Well, we're positioning ourselves well. There's nothing else really in this pack to speak of. Our opening pack, there's a Vault Robber, the 1-3 Dwarf Rogue for one and a red. You exile a creature card from your graveyard to make a treasure token. This card reads well, a 1-3 body for one and a red with additional effect to make mana and fix colors, but it just reads well. It does not play well whatsoever. Let's continue to develop some multicolor shenanigans as we go to pick 10. Rune of Speed is still in this pack. A really nice card. The one red aura rune that grants plus one plus one haste and obviously draws a card and can go onto vehicles or equipment. But we did table a Ice Hide Troll. This is where we saw the Sculptor of Winter. So someone else scooped that card up. But we right now have four Snowlands and two Path to the World Trees that can get our basic Snowlands, so this card feels like a really nice way to gum up the board for us. We're going to follow that up now with a God's Hall Guardian, the 3-6 Vigilance with Fortel, 3 and a white with a base cost of 5 and a white. This card has consistently overperformed for me. A nice big body on the board, and it's a cute kitty to boot. Well, here we are at the end of pack 1. It's now garbage time. We have a really nice access of some great multicolor stuff. We have three Snow Duels, two Path to the World Trees, Bergy, Saru's Packmate, even an Arnie Slays a Troll, and hey, we tabled a Certland Frostpyre. It is one of the effect lands, the red one that Pyroclasms when you sacrifice it. We probably won't play the card. It is one of the weaker of the sac effects, but you know, we're still in a pretty good place going into our first pick in pack two, and this is not gonna be a hard pick either. Demon Bolt here is in the pack. This is the Fortel for a single red red removal spell, two and a red. It deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. An amazing card for what our deck wants to do here. We are going to be probably base red-green, and this just looks well positioned for us in pretty much every possible way that we want it to be. There is a Snow-Covered Plains in this pack. If we could table that, we would probably play a Singleton Plains, depending on if we are 
finding some white payoffs. The rare is Search for Glory, definitely not a card. We don't want to play tutors in our deck. There's Agar the Freezing Flame and Cole the Forge Master alongside the Black Red Sack Effect Land. But yeah, Demon Bolt is perfect for what we want in this pick. Uh, pick two, pack two. There's a couple cards that are standing out to me here. We now see the Sculptor of Winter. I think that card is looking very good with our four Snowlands we have right now. Speaking of Snowlands, we do see a Shimmer Drift Veil. This is the land that enters the battlefield, you choose a color, and then it provides one mana of the chosen color. It does enter tapped, but it is a Snowland. Great position card here, I really, really like it. Right now, as the deck stands, I do want to find some more top end, a Ravenous Lindworm, a couple other big bombs to help us continue to develop what we got going on. But we do have a Path to the World Tree, and the Shimmer Drift Veil is going to help us fill in that last color. We don't have a blue land right now, naturally, in our Snowlands, and Shimmer Drift Veil is going to fill in that gap. The rare Egon God of Death is still in the pack, not really a great card I've experienced in this format. Shepherd of the Cosmos is pretty nice too, and nice with the Path of the World Trees. Maybe if we table that, I have tabled one of those cards before. Who knows? It is a possibility in this draft. Pick three, pack two. This is going to be a pretty easy Sculptor of Winter for us. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now we're on five Snowlands. This is going to be a consistent two mana ramp spell for us on an Elf Rogue. And it's a Snow Permanent. If we can pick up, say, Blizzard Brawl along the way, the Fight Snow Sorcery that can give your creature plus one plus O and Indestructible if you control three or more Snow Permanents, that is some real gas that we could potentially find. So let's take the Sculptor of Winter. There's not much else we're passing up on. There is an Icebreaker Kraken, the rare still in the pack, the 8-8 for 10 blue-blue. His cost is reduced for the number of Snow Lands control, but we're not even in the blue snow deck right now. There is a Snow-Covered Island in this pack too, but... I don't think I need to really prioritize that at the moment, considering we have no blue cards. Pick four, pack two. Well, there is a Frostpire Arcanist. This card is super cute. We're just not really strongly reinforced with spells at the moment. This pack is boiling down to one of two cards. One is Litjara Glade Warden, the Changeling for three and a green, a three, three. You pay two and a green, and you exile a creature card from your graveyard to put two counters on target creature you control, sorcery speed. The other one is Glittering Frost. This is the snow enchantment aura that taps for a mana of an additional color whenever that enchanted land is tapped, and it's snow mana. Really nice with our Ice Eye Troll and the Sculptor of Winter we have right now, and our creature count is looking pretty low, so I think I'm gonna take the Glittering Frost for now, and Maybe continue to see if we can find some more creatures to round out what's going on with our deck. But for now, I think a good bit of multicolor is going to help us out. And it helps us ramp into our path to the world trees and fix us too. Pick five, pack two. This is going to be a pretty easy struggle for Skumpfar. We might be light on the creatures, but this is a card that we can just foretell and get it somewhere down the line. I will anticipate playing potentially a Grizzled Outrider in this deck, the 5-5 five, five for five. It's not a good card. It's not. But we haven't found any Ravis Lindworms yet. And we need some top end, especially to support this struggle for Scumfar. An amazing, this might be the best hunt for the week we've ever seen, and I really want this card to work in our deck. <sighs> That's a good question, Borok. This Clarion Spirit does look pretty nice. This is the 2-2 for 1 and a white. When you cast your second spell each turn, you make a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. I mean, we have Struggle, Packmates, Demon Bolt, all as cards that can help us double spell. We have Alpine Meadow 
and a Snowfield Sinkhole. This feels like the kind of card that I want to take, even though it's an off-color card that can help us get a little bit more value out of our board. So I am going to take this Clarion Spirit, and I'm going to take it over the Black-Red Uncommon Saga of Carter's Vicious Return. The card is just too narrow for us to take. In pick 7 of pack 2, this is going to be a very easy Horizon Seeker over Snow-Covered Swamp. Again, we're not even that deep in black, we just want the black to activate our path to the World Trees, and Horizon Seeker is a nice piece to help us with some fixing for some potential bombs that could be opened or passed to us, so we'll happily take that. And now we're going to take a Not-Vold Slumber Mound. Amazing! This is the green-red Sacrifice Effect Land. It produces red, you pay three red, green, green, sack it, destroy land, and make a green troll warrior creature token with trample. That's awesome. That's an awesome pickup for us. Wow. We are definitely in the right lane for the colors that we're doing. Feeling pretty happy for it. Pick nine, it's now between, well, the pack that we opened, which was not very strong in the first place. Cole the Forge Master, Search for Glory. Neither are particularly good cards, uh, but I guess... I am more likely to play a Search for Glory than I am the Boros Equipment Legend. No thank you, but hey, it is now in the sideboard. Pick 10. We're getting close to garbage time here. This is between Snakeskin Veil and Gold Vein Pick. I'm going to take the Veil. I think our creatures are going to be pretty valuable, and we want them to hit the battlefield and stick. So we might actually end up playing it. It's not really the deck that we are, but, you know, we might play it. Well... You know, I said it before, and I'm going to follow up here with a Grizzled Outrider. The 5-5 five, five for 4 and a green. Elf Warrior. It's not great, but, you know, it is a necessary piece to our deck. I think it might be a necessary evil. Yeah, I see that the Elf is riding that bear, Borak. Maybe, you know, the Elf asked permission before he rode the bear? I don't know, Borak. I, I, I'm hoping that they had a mutual agreement, though, because I do agree. Without permission... Without consent, that bear being ridden like that, not a great choice. Uh, pick 13, we get an Agar the Freezing Flame. You know, you know, that card's pretty good. Maybe we'll play it. I doubt it. All right, here we go. Going into our last pack. Our colors are looking pretty good. I would love to pick up a few more Snowlands. Even if they're just Singleton, they'll be nice with our Path to the World Trees. And of course, I'm looking to take some big impact plays as well. In our pick one of pack three, Crippling Fear is here. This card is amazing. It is two black black sorcery. You choose a creature type. Creatures that aren't of the chosen type get minus three, minus three until end of turn. Yeah, I really like this card, but we're just not set up well enough in our current mana base. We really are focused in the Naya colors to take advantage of a Crippling Fear. Sad to see it go, but we're just not going to be able to take it here. If you get a chance, my Lucky Lounge Rats, to play with this card, do it. It's very easy for this card to simply be a one-sided Wrath of God. We're going to snap up our second Saroof's Packmate here. Really nice with our Clarion Spirit that we took. And, you know, I'll take as many Saroof's Packmates as I possibly can. Card is nice. Here we go to pick two, pack three. Oh no. This is actually kind of tricky. We have what could be a potential second Clarion Spirit, which would be really good. Or we can take a Squash. This is the instant four and a red, six damage to a creature or Planeswalker. But its cost is reduced by three if you control a Giant's. Right now, at the moment, we just have Agar as a giant. We could maybe pick up a few additional giants. I'd be happy to maybe splash around for a little bit of Agar action. And also, Squash, just as a 5-mana kill spell, is not that bad. I think I'd rather take that mainly on color removal spell than our second Clarion Spirit. 
it just seems like it's in a pretty good place for us. Pick three, pack three. I think we're going to snap up a second Shimmer Drift Veil here. Really good multicolor payoff for our Snowlands. There is a Gates of Isfel and a Giant's Amulet, but I almost want to make this Agar the Freezing Flame work now. We do have Struggle, Demon Bolt, and Squash. Those are potential draws for our Agar, and a Shimmer Drift Veil is going to just really ensure potentially getting that blue payoff with that uncommon giant wizard legend. We're getting a little bit crazy here, but it might be a good kind of crazy. Cue up the hallelujah chorus. Wow, a glorious protector here late in pack three. Pick four, pack three, in fact. A 3-4 flying flash angel cleric. It ETBs, it exiles creatures you control until it leaves the battlefield. A 3-4 flash flying angel for a pretty small cost because it can be reduced uh, through the foretell mechanic for two and a white reducing the color commitment in our white splash so so nice there is a guardian glade walker which i would love in this in this deck too with our presence of squash and agar and a snow-covered forest but i can't pass up on this flying amazing angel cleric card so nice so nice pick five pack three there's still a behold the multiverse in this pack which i would consider if it were not for our two more optimal options of Sculptor of Winter and Woodland Chasm, the Swamp Forest Snowland. I do like the presence of this Swamp Forest being in our deck. It really alleviates the pressure on the path of the World Tree. But the Sculptor of Winter is in a pretty good place, too, to help us deploy our hand. And I'm a little bit short on playables, so I think for now I'm going to take the Sculptor of Winter and pass up on a nice Snowland. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty tough one, Borok. But we do get to follow that up with now taking a snow-covered mountain. Red is one of our main colors, and hey, a nice additional snow land to continue to build up our mana base. In pick seven, we see a Guardian Glade Walker, another Glittering Frost, a snow-covered mountain, but there is also an Iron Verdict. In this pack two is the Axe Guard Calvary, the 2-2 for one in a red. Target creature gains haste until in a turn. It's a fine card, it's a good card, but it's not really what our deck wants to do. So sad, we haven't seen a single Ravenous Lindworm in our packs, Borok. You're right, there is a card door Doom Scourge. You know what? Let's go with that, Borok. I like what you're thinking. Let's get a little greedy. Let's have some fun with it. And hey, if we end up getting a little bit of value off that card, I think that's totally fine. And whoa, we still don't get punished for not taking the Snowland with another Shimmer Drift Veil. Borok, you seem to be onto something. You're too good, man. You're too good. You're just too good. Yeah, I think we're going to take this over potentially an Axe Guard Braggart. You know, I do like this card more than most, and I think it's very, very nice, but that third Shimmer Drift Veil is just real icing on the cake. Pick nine. Whoa, we tabled a Fall of the Imposter. One green-white saga. Chapters one and two, put a counter on up to one target creature, and then chapter three, you exile a creature with the greatest power amongst creatures your opponents control. Yeah, I'm pretty happy picking this one up. A nice, late, kind of consistent removal spell. Pick 10. There's another Agar the Freezing Flame here. Yeah, apparently no one is in blue-red giants. There is another Glittering Frost. I think I, what I might take, though... Uh, there's not really any green or red cards. I think I'd rather take this Stalwart Valkyrie. That seems weird, but I think it's probably better. A 3-2 Flying Angel that we can have a reduced cost for. Yeah, why not? Oh, a little Gates of, Gates of Isfel action, but we do have a Faceless Haven, the Snow Man Land. I don't think we can support the Gates. I don't think we're deep enough in blue, but 
You know what? I will pick up the Faceless Haven. Why not? Little Guardian Gladewalker there on the table. Consistent. Nice little card to pick up. Story Seeker 2, as we're going to garbage time here in pack 3, and a tabled god's Hall Guardian. I'll take a little bit more top end. Well, and a snow-covered mountain for our final pick. Wow. I feel like every pick that we took in pack 3 has been fruitful. And we've got a dynamic 5-color snow deck. Sadly, none of those ravenous linworms, but are we going to have enough to make this deck function? We're going to dig at it. Stick around, my lucky lounge rats. We're going to see how this deck looks in just a minute. Welcome back, all of my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you've refueled, refreshed, and good to see you've returned as we are going to redux this five-color Path to the World Tree slash All the Bears deck. Well, when it came to building this deck, things kind of looked a lot different than the way I had envisioned it after pack one. We started on that Bergy, particularly the other side, the Horn, then went into Double Path to the World Tree, and I really thought that we can just really focus on getting a lot of colors and taking the best cards. And while that is partially true, and picking up some additional support for that deck in Glittering Frost and Horizon Seeker, what I didn't end up anticipating is that even though we went Bergy, Demon Bolt, and Arnie Slays the Troll, all within the first 16 picks of the draft, that red just did not end up being as open as I thought it would. And now that I put the deck together, I have a lot more white cards in the build than I thought. Clarion Spirit, Stalwart Valkyrie, Glorious Protector, Double Gods Hall Guardian, just because we're so weak on the top end. And it does come down on turn four and hold down the fort nicely against aggressive decks. And we are actually playing a very late picked up in pack one, Master Scald. Uh, this is the 4-4 four, four for four and a white. When it ETBs, you can exile a creature card from your graveyard and then return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. And this can include one of our two sagas, either the Fall of the Imposter, the removal spell in Chapter 3, or the Arnie Slays the Troll, also a fight spell for red and green. It's kind of funny, I actually think this Master Scald is going to be pretty good, especially because we have some replacement creatures on the low end, with double Saru's Packmate, a Guardian Gladewalker, double Sculptor of Winter. We are actually going to fuel this card well enough in the presence of two sagas, is going to help that out. Now, if I had identified earlier in, say, pack three, that I needed to go more white than red, I think that might have changed a few of the picks. Perhaps I wouldn't have taken the third Shimmer Drift Veil and I would have gone with that Axe Guard Braggart. That could have been a potential lane that we would go to and have an additional really good creature. Because as it stands, we do have to play double God's Hall Guardian, which is still a good card, but we are running that Grizzled Outrider. We have two different fight spells, and we just need to support those removal spells the best that we possibly can. When it comes to the final couple cards in the deck, I ended up putting into the main deck Carter Doom Scourge over Agar the Freezing Flame. Little correction from what I said earlier, Agar cannot draw you a card with our fight spells because it has to be dealt through an instant or sorcery source, and those spells, the fight spells, the source of the damage is the creature itself. So you can't actually draw cards off of Agar, even though that would be sweet. If it was a giant that fought, it could, but we don't have that many giants. We are still running our squash, even though we are cutting the Agar. 
because it's just a solid 5 costing bit of removal. And the Carter is getting the play over the Agar because of the fact that we have Snowfield Sinkhole, the white-black snow duel that we picked up in pack 1. And I think the two cards are pretty on par in power level in this green-white splashing 5 color payoffs with double path and having a few black things naturally in the deck. I think it just makes the deck more consistent to play Cardor. In the end, this deck feels like it landed a little bit short. If I would have identified a little bit earlier that I needed to be green-white and taking the best green-white cards that I possibly could, and then maybe parlaying into a few red cards here and there, and maybe some of these gold uncommon cards, I might have been a little bit better off. But I still think the deck is fine. We have double Path to the World Tree. We can still activate them with our triple Shimmer Drift Veil and Glittering Frost. It does require us to be a little bit savvy because we're not running any blue lands in the deck outside of Shimmer Drift Veil. So when it comes to naming those colors, we just have to make sure that we have all of our colors covered and then we can start getting a mized blue source off of, say, that Shimmer Drift Veil. But the good news is all of our color commitments are pretty light and all of them are basically single pipped. The deck isn't the best version of a five-color deck. We have none of those Ravenous Lindworms. We don't have any really, really big bombs, but I still think the deck is good enough to go and hopefully is good enough to get us a few wins. Will we get one here on the podcast? Well, let's find out. Credit to Noah, Cyrus, Marshmallow, OK, Zed, and Kesha for all of this sweet color-based jam as we are jumping into our game to see if this somewhat underwhelming five-color build is going to get there. We are going to be on the draw. We have two Redlands, Snotvolt's Mound, a Snowcovered Mountain, Forest. We have an Ice Eye Troll, we can foretell a God's Hall Guardian, and then we have Stalwart Valkyrie and Grizzled Outrider. This hand feels pretty bad to me. It's like our worst cards in our deck, so I'm just gonna mulligan it. Uh, we find a hand that has Plains, Swamp, Forest, Carter, Doom Scourge, Squash, Sculptor, Wicker, Winter, and Ice Eye Troll. I think this hand is just fine. We're gonna keep this. I'm gonna run back the Cardor to the library. We'd love to find one of our Snowlands or, you know, perhaps the path so we can get one of our Mountains to cast the Squash in the long term. And we draw our second forest for the turn as our opponent leads with Skemfar Elderhall, the black green sack land that gives a creature minus two minus two and creates two one one green elf creature tokens. It's pretty good. Our opponents are going to foretell a card for their turn two as we are going to run our, our Sculptor of Winter, but we did draw our Horizon Seeker for our turn three play. It's going to allow us to boast and find our red source for our Squash. Not, not too shabby, not too shabby. Oh, they play one of the best uncommons here off of their Fortel in a Vengeful Reaper. Flying Death Touch Haste 2-3. Normally costs 3 and a black, but you can foretell it for 1 and a black. Yeah, that card is definitely a winner. We draw a Guardian Glade Walker. We're drawing some uh, unfortunate parts of our deck, not our most exciting stuff, but, you know, we have to kind of power through that with this deck. So we're going to crack them back for 2. We're both at 18, and we're going to run out our Horizon Seeker for a potential boast on our next turn alongside playing our Guardian Gladewalker to maybe make our attacks better and get our red source for that squash. So we're doing okay as our opponent has played their black green stuff here. They have a single snow-covered swamp and now they're gonna play Coma's Faithful. This is a card I've not been very excited about in general in this format. 
It's a 3-1 with lifelink. When it dies, each player mills three cards. I, I'm just not a fan. Sorry, just color me unimpressed. We draw a Shimmer Drift Veil, so now we're going to have all five colors. So if we ever draw our path to the World Tree, we're in a pretty good place. So for our turn here, we're probably going to stay on track here. We're going to attack for five with our Sculptor and our Horizon Seeker. My guess is they're going to block the Horizon Seeker to offer a trade so we can't get more land equity off of our Horizon Seeker beyond the first attack. And it looks like, in fact, that's what they're going to do. So we are then going to in-kind activate our Horizon Seeker, get our Snow-Covered Mountain so we can squash next turn if we need to and still also play our Guardian Gladewalker for this turn. We are doing okay to good at the moment. Uh, I think I'm actually going to end up putting the counter on the Sculptor of Winter because they do have the Skemfar Elder Hall. When they get their 6 land, they can activate it, and I'd rather protect my Sculptor of Winter if need be. So, counter's going to go on to our favorite elf snow creature, Rogue, that can accelerate us on turn 2. Bears are being relevant, Borok. The bears are being relevant. <laughs> Yeah, our hand is looking a bit underwhelming. You are right, with Snowfern Mountain, Shimmerdrift Veil, Eyesight Troll, and Squash. A couple of good news is though, the Squash only costs two in our next turn, so we can play the Troll plus the Squash alongside playing our Snow-Covered Mountain, and then the Troll has two Snow Mana to be able to activate its ability on our turn after that. We certainly do want to draw a little bit of gas here. They're kind of taking on the play right now, our opponents, with five cards in hand. Which has me a little bit optimistic, so they're going to play a Snakeskin Veil on the Vengeful Reaper in their main phase, and then Blizzard Brawl on our Sculptor of Winter. I see. They didn't have the requisite three Snowlands to make their Vengeful Reaper indestructible, so we get away with them having to basically two-for-one in order for them to kill our 3-3 Sculptor of Winter, which is actually wonderful. Uh, we drew another Sculptor of Winter. <laughs> we're going to show our opponent kill one of our Sculptor of Winters. The other one rises up. Uh, but we're actually probably not going to play that Sculptor this turn. We'll probably still run out the Ice Hide Troll because we get to Squash for two because of our Guardian Gladewalker. Got it, Changeling. Boom. Love me a spell that only costs two that deals six damage. And they probably feel kind of bad because they used their Snakeskin Veil, which they could have blanked our removal spell, but they wanted to take care of our Sculptor of Winter. I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that they didn't need to do that necessarily in the expediency that they did. But you know what? It happens. Our Ice Eye Troll on the stack right now with our opponent having three cards in hand. They did miss a land drop, but our hand does not look impressive either with just a Shimmerdrift Veil or a Sculptor of Winter. Oh boy, they cast Raise the Draugr, and they get to bring back a Skemfar Shadow Sage that they milled off of their Comus Faithful. And now they're playing a Priest of the Haunted Edge on their turn. So, yeah, that's that's pretty good, but we did draw a Surf's Packmate, okay. That's not too shabby. I'm not too sad about that. We're going to be able to attack now for at least one, but let's go ahead and cast our Packmate. See what we draw first before we make the rest of our, our plays here. If we draw an untapped land off the Packmate, we can still run out our Sculptor Winter. And we draw Godsall Guardian. Okay. At least we're getting more creatures, and now the Ice Hide Troll is going to get in there alongside the Guardian Gladewalker. And they're going to have to take one here off the Guardian Gladewalker. They go to 17... We're at 13. Yeah, things are getting a little bit scary, but we're now going to play out the Veil. 
and named Blue. So this is the situation I talked about during our deck tech part of the episode. We have all of our colors covered at the moment, so we can easily run off the Shimmer Drift Veil as a blue land. They play their Eventual Reaper from Fortel, and they cast a Guardian Gladewalker to boot. So now they get to get in for a total of three damage. Yeah, they're, they're getting there. Oh, all right. So the plan worked out. We drew our path to the World Tree. That is one of the things that we were hoping to find, and it might work out for us here. On our turn, we can actually swing with all of our creatures here. And we have an Ice High Troll that can activate, so we get to start pushing a little bit of damage, too. They blocked the Priest with the Packmate, which makes sense to me. Uh, we're now going to activate the Ice High Troll, get it in for a total of 5 damage, putting them down to 12. And we are at 10. Uh, and now we can go Path to the World Tree, uh, plus Sculptor of Winter. So... Yeah, we have some outs, we have some lines to take, and we're going to pick up a forest out of our library, one of our only basics left. Uh, uh, we have two other forests, but uh, the forest is being the only basic land type we have left in the deck. So our hand has Gauntal Guardian, our opponent now made their fifth land drop, and they're going to run out to Skemfar Shadow Sage, and they're going to get us for three, putting us down to six, and the Eventual Reaper is going to put us down to three. But the good news is the path of the World Tree is going to keep us in the game here a little bit longer. And the path also is going to give us a little bit of flexibility in our attacks. We currently have 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 with the force that we just drew for turn. And then 9 off the Sculptor of Winter. So we still have 2 mana after the activation of Path of the World Tree. Which, unfortunately with our colors though, we can't also activate our Ice High Troll on our attacks. But we can still attack because the path gives us a line to get a little bit more beneficial on our, our blocks here. Yes, so we're going to attack with the troll and with the packmate. No, we can't attack with the troll. We can only attack with the service packmate, actually. We could attack with the troll, but then we're just subject to... Uh, they only have a single black open. I just feel like the 2-3, if they block, say, with their Skimfar Shadow Sage and their Guardian Blade Walker and just take 3, that's just not the greatest in the world. They block with their 2-5, the Shadow Sage, on our 3-3, three, three, so this is going to work out pretty well for us to get rid of their best blocker. So we're going to activate our Path to the World Tree, our Bear Ultimatum, kill that, draw 2 cards, gain some life. We're going to go up to 5, so we're not dead to our opponent's swings with their Guardian Glade Walker. Uh, we draw a Snowfield Sinkhole and Burgi, so we did get our Burgi. Uh, we're gonna play our Forest. We will then foretell our God's Hall Guardian we have in our hands. And now we're, we're back to hopefully we can find some kind of way to interact with our opponent's Vengeful Reaper. If we can, we are still in the game. If not, we are going to be dead in our next turn. But we also still have uh, the other side of Burgi, the Harnfell, Horn of Bounty, so we can Play that side, discard our Snowfield Sinkhole, and look for, say, a Demon Bolt. Uh, we can also look for the Arnie Slays the Troll, and we do have the second red off the Sculptor of Winter to be able to cast those two things. As expected, they attack with their 3-4, and they're going to run out their own Grizzled Outrider. <laughs> There's more Grizzled Outrider talk than I would have anticipated for this episode. They still only have one Snowland for their Priest of the Haunted Edge, but look at how much this card has done in this matchup. It has been a wonderful blocker. It's a like activated ability hasn't been relevant, but just the fact that this blocker has been doing some good work. Yeah, it's good. 
Well, we drew our Master Scald, and I didn't mention it before, but we can bring back, say, a Path to the World Tree with the Master Scald, but we do not have the time nor the place to be able to pull that off. So it looks like Bergy is going to have to get in there and uh, come in as her horn, but we can potentially still find something. And we do have two cards discard. So maybe, 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 maybe we can find ourselves a removal spell and get out of this situation. They have no other flyers, so we're, we're not like completely out of it. So we find a Glittering Frost and a Fall of the Imposter. Neither of those are going to be good enough. We still need to answer that eventual Reaper. So Harnfell is going to have to activate again here. Hopefully we can find one of our removal spells. And we do not. Well, that is just about going to do it. So sadly, my unlucky lounge rats, it looks like this episode is going to conclude with a loss for the podcast. Well, even though we didn't quite get there, the deck still performs quite admirably for what I consider to be a little bit of an underpower build. We didn't draw some of our better cards till later in the game, and even when we did, we were still able to hang in there. Certainly their Vengeful Reaper, the 2-3 flying haste death touch creature that has foretell for one and a black dominated that game in more ways than one but we still had some potential outs going all the way to the final beat of the game and i'm looking forward to operating it more i would love to do some master scalding to return a path to the world tree if we would have found an answer to that vengeful reaper i bet that would have been the route that that game would have taken but as always we want to know what you think find us on those socials on twitter on youtube and tiktok draft and draft cory our twitch still on hiatus alongside our video making for the full episodes sadly my tech is still not quite there but we're still finding ways to communicate and give people that info on some of the decks from our friday night podcast drafts we'll make sure to post deck texts as we can uh on the twitter and on the tiktok so find us on those socials to get info on this deck's results and finally, if you want to help support the show, find us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Put that directly into the URL or click the link in the show description below. And once more to all of my patrons, thank you so much for helping support the show. I couldn't do this without you. Well, friends, it looks like I found the bottom of my drink and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. And this has been Draft and Draft, Friday Night Podcast. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. Someone stop that fade out. The show is not over yet, my unlucky lounge rats, because breaking news this week, we had an announcement. Magic Arena is going to have its first arena open focused on Limited. That's right, we got there, friends. Now, while it may not be Draft... It is sealed. The same topic that we talked about in our previous episode with our call time pre-release deck tech. So go and listen to that episode. It's going to have a lot of good insights on the difference between draft and sealed and how to approach it in the world of call time. Plus, we're going to dip back into some more of that for the next week and get you some good information to get ready for your own arena opens. I'm so excited. Limited is starting to rise up on Arena, and that means the sky's the limit, but the horizon is all about that sealed time. We'll keep a seat warm for you here in the Unlucky Lounge, and we'll see you back here real soon.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.